Baldur's Gate is so good. Yeah, I devoted so much time to Baldur's Gate. So I only just now got to Baldur's Gate. (laughs) Man, I uh, yeah, I've been super into to wanting to get Baldur's Gate. That's what I've been. You should, Levi. You don't think I will? You don't think I want to? I could just share my Steam library with you. Well, I appreciate that, but like I, uh, I, I seriously had the money to to get a get a game, and I was like, all right, I have the money and half half the time. So I was like, should I get <laughs> Armored Core or Kirby and the Forgotten Land? So, no, so, fuck Kirby. So I bought Kirby, <laughs> asshole. I can't help but notice neither of the options for Baldur's Gate. So what the fuck? Yeah, I've no, I played Baldur's Gate for three years. No, I well, not you. <laughs> yeah, I got Kirby because it's got some great couch co-op, and me and the missus wanted to to, to jam on that. It's so fucking, is, so is cute. This domestic life is like. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, can you in Baldur's Gate play as Bandana Waddle D? Probably. Oh, oh shit! It's D and D, my boy. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Hey there, and welcome to Ever After Hours, a show where we have a very serious and educational discussion about the hit web series, Ruby. I am your host, Levi. I'm a deep sea diver who's looking for the shreds of Exodia, the forbidden one at the bottom of the ocean, but on the weekends, I'm just a fan artist. Today, I am honored to be joined by three other positively gorgeous hosts from the fandom. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, I'm Julio, or Mata Joker Online. Thanks for having me back. Oh, wait, is it my turn? Okay. Hi. (laughs) I'm Keith. Keith Montalbo. You know who I am. Let's be real. Oh, damn. Um, (laughs) I'm one of the leads at the Ever Artists, and I planted this seed of a podcast in Levi's mind. So (laughs) now now we're here at episode two. I was supposed to be in episode one, but you know. Man's can't help but for everything, can he? <laughs> he's, he's flexing listen, too hard. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> it, it's it's part it's part of the internet persona, okay? In real life, uh, in real life, I detest um, talking to people. So, <laughs> it, it, it. Mm. is this a lie or is he telling the truth? <laughs> All right, uh, I know next time. <laughs> that's, that's enough introducing. Let's go stand in the corner of the studio. <laughs> Other host, please, uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, I am Anton, mainly known as Darkoy Online. And when I'm not here sitting and talking with these guys, I am either just a film student over analyzing every movie and on the weekends, possibly doing art. <laughs> right on. Uh, Darkoy is the uh, 
is the talent grab for this episode with uh, <laughs> with the absence of Edelweiss with Jackie and uh, Coffee. We no longer have a a, uh, a an endless wellspring of trivia, as it were, to to kind of pull from. So some of you viewers might find that this particular episode is not funny, uh, devoid of information, um, a waste of another hour and a half of your life. To which I would say. I'm so sorry. It is all of those things, and we will do our best uh, with Darkoi kind of pulling the, the Rudolph to our sleigh, uh, <laughs> pulling us to, to the end of the night here. Also, um, Keith said he wasn't going to be on if women were on it. So <laughs> Keith said he wouldn't come, and so we had to. Uh, I said that. no such thing. <laughs> but as men, we will try our best to be entertaining. And fail spectacularly. <laughs> That was a joke. I, I am kidding. Keith is not a... He does not hate women. That's Levi's it's, joke. It's the first five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> Please. We're, uh, yeah, we're off to a good start, Jens. Um, so for, for anyone who's rejoining us from this first episode, they do know how how Joker and I came to the series, but uh, Keith and Darkoy, you two are new to the, the studio table here and are due for an introduction. Um, learn learn us good if you'd be so kind. How did you two get into Ruby, Keith? Do you wanna do you wanna lead there? Yeah. So in 2017, I don't know. Um, basically, <laughs> somebody commissioned me back when I did just Pokemon stuff because I came from the Pokemon fandom. And in 2017, someone commissioned me a Pokemon trainer of or version of Penny. And I was like, oh, your OC is so cool. Who is this? She has, like, swords and, like, she, she's a cute character. No, it's, 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 it's Penny. And then and the people <laughs> reacted to that post. And, and they were like, oh, you should watch Ruby. You should watch Ruby. I was like, all right. The, this show with, like, that looks like it has the budget of a paperclip. All right. Mm. Let, let's watch. And here we are. There we go. And the rest is history. It was slightly more than a paperclip. <laughs> Maybe like seven dollars. A yeah. stapler, stapler. <laughs> yeah, it was the it was the high end stapler from Office Max and the staples <laughs> that came in with a it, budget and so. the budget of a subway foot long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was enough. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So you've been uh, with the series a long a long while. Um, were you you kind of joined midway through the seasons then? Huh. You were. Yeah, somewhere like after volume three, I think. Okay, so we were actually yeah. kind of we kind of jumped on the same boat then. Yeah, the, the series. Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, Darkoy, how did you how did you get to Ruby? Well, um, I would say I didn't really know like exactly a lot about like Rooster as itself before like Ruby or anything because I I never grew up with um, Red versus Blue or anything. I didn't find out about that until after. Uh, Ruby, but because I mainly I grew up with their side channel Achievement Hunters. Okay. And one day I just saw on the side of the recommended video, I saw, what is this? What's this red trailer from Rooster Teeth? Mm -hmm. And that's basically how it started from day one of the first trailer's launch. I've been Damn. almost a consistent fan ever since. I've only been two times I've been like out of the fandom and out of like out of Ruby. And it was like, Volume six, I had a, I had a pause, and volume nine, I had a pause. Okay, so you've you've been through the series mostly uh, for the most part, you know, kind of thick and yeah. thin. Uh, you've been 
uh, alongside for the ride. So this is perfect. You actually know what you're talking about. You're educated, uh, <laughs> probably the most out of all of us, and you've actually been a part of the series since its very beginning. So yes, this sir. is great. Okay, awesome. I don't feel as bad about cutting out uh, Edelweiss and and coffee then for this one. Because, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, they did. They did come to me after the episode, and uh, Jackie was like, "I don't ever want to hear your voice again." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And coffee oh, that said, explains everything. Coffee said all of my takes on the podcast were really, really bad, and she didn't want to talk to me for a while either. <laughs> so that's that's kind of why they're not here today, and we're doing this one. We'll let like, you know by the theory. end of this one if we share the same opinions. Perfect. You will. I guarantee it. Uh, nobody comes <laughs> out of this unscathed. I had to pay Joker to be here tonight, so. <laughs> We're, Wait, uh, we're getting paid? <laughs> just no, just no. him. Don't get no, twisted. He's. I'm getting paid. You're. <laughs> the, the ever after always boof is gonna turn into the rooster teeth level situation. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. Uh, we. Oh, I already don't pay the. I am to writing the here, twit so. longer as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, I am. Uh, I am pleased as punch to have all of you gathered here today as we. So we kick off our rewatch with the first few actual episodes of the show. Uh, the trailers are important, of course, but as soon as we uh, will find, or so we will soon find out, uh, the trailers are not indicative of the actual tone of the series, or um, mm -hmm. or even the characters that they're about. Take everything you know uh, about Ruby or Weiss from their trailers and flush it. Uh, down a metaphorical toilet because those girls died when their trailers <laughs> ended and in their place we have something far less dark and mysterious and infinitely uh, more campy or irritating or both actually as it turns out um so let's you know with a hit of hint of racism <laughs> with the, just a, a, a dash of racism and i we she will, gets better don't worry she gets better we will racism. yeah We'll we'll touch on that topic gently, as gently as we can, as gently as Rooster Teeth touches on it. Uh, the entire series, um, <laughs> but not at all. A gentle, <laughs> a gentle little tap, huh? Uh, so let's let's jump into it, gents. Uh, starring the the first episode, starring the titular character herself, uh, Ruby Rose. Do you guys have any general? Um, oh, I'll, I'll I'll summarize the plot here real quick of the episode. This first introduction, the to the series um we have us meeting our our first character our first or our, yeah let me start over we meet the character <laughs> ruby rose in the in the convenience store or the the dust store as it's being robbed by the antagonist we don't really know to the extent yet but we are, we meet the antagonist uh we meet ruby rose there um and we are introduced to the headmaster of beacon and we do see Yang towards the end, but Ruby thwarts a, a shoplifting attempt downtown. She pursues the enemy. Uh, the enemy makes a getaway as Ruby is assisted by a local huntress. And then Ruby is conscripted into the, the prestigious Beacon Academy, a school where huntsmen and huntresses are trained to combat the forces of evil uh, throughout Remnant. And that's kind of where the mostly where the, the episode wraps up. So do you guys have any general thoughts or impressions or things you want to talk about uh, for this first episode? In other words, a uh, child soldier school. 
Yeah, it's yes. a little. It's got a little bit of a halo a vibe to it. Up. <laughs> it's a cult. <laughs> uh, well, for one, like the first thing you notice, I think, when watching this, is the uh, general improvement in the voice acting from the trailers. It is. Yeah. So we. Oh, yeah. For the uninitiated, uh, Jen Taylor is the first voice we hear in the the listed series. Um, mm. And for those that are unaware. Uh, she is the voice of Cortana and Dr. Halsey from the Halo series. And, f uh, you know, for Red versus Blue being as popular as it was with Rooster Teeth, that was a, a huge grab, I thought, to have Jen Taylor voice anything at all. And I think people would recognize her immediately and her being the leading yeah. voice to the show. Uh, you're right, Joker really is such a it great thing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Darakoi, but it didn't. I think it was in one of the Blu rays that uh, my, I think it was Miles who said that they had her in for their recording and uh, immediately she just read the entire like monologue and got it down perfectly yeah. in the first take. Yeah. They flew out to, I think they flew out to LA to meet her. They talk about this in the first documentary for the volume one. And to basically Miles and Carrie flew down because like the last minute before they had to fly out, um Monty gave him a call saying, Hey, I'm going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so they flew down all the way to meet Jen Taylor and set up the whole booth, met up with her. And she, in the first take, knocked out the whole narration like two minutes flat or something. Man. That's how you know. That's how. You so basically, know. what they so basically what they did, they went, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> we we flew out all the way here, and we we don't want this to end this early. So we basically told, gave her instructions of, hey, maybe do a slow take, maybe do a fast take, make some more evil. Like they had to do multiple takes just to spend more time with her since no they didn't want to leave. <laughs> that's that's really funny. I uh I'm not surprised. I feel like being in the room or the same room with Jen Taylor, yeah, talent that big, you you would want to kind of stretch that out, right? You'd be like, Can mm. you just say anything else? Like you don't even have to read from the script. Can you read my mom's cooking book recipes, please? <laughs> like, like we won't get to talk to you again for like three years, please. <laughs> yeah. Can you read me a bedtime story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would uh I would argue that at this point in the series, given the the track record of the the script of Ruby, I would argue that I'm not sure that Jen Taylor's role as Salem was really uh nailed down hundred percent. So I genuinely believe that at that time they were probably just like, I don't know that we'll see you again, period. Like I don't think we will. Yeah. Um, uh, it probably it most had like a foresight of like you are going to be a character later. Although right. I do I think uh, I remember. I don't remember where I saw it, but I think they said that Thalem was either the second or third character that was like. Oh, designed. was she? Okay. Yeah. So they knew oh, of cool. her from the very beginning. I think. Okay. Uh, uh, if I yeah, I might be speaking out my ass, but I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> well, I'll believe I'm, I'm that. I'm sure. I'm sure Jackie will yell at me later. <laughs> <laughs> she'll uh, she'll yell at you. She won't talk to me anymore. So that that checks out. That's all right. Um, well, cool. Yeah. So Jen Taylor's the first voice we hear, uh, and yeah, you're right. It does wonders to hear her her deliver the the introduction speech, and yeah. she sounds great. She really kicks it out of the park, and uh, we do hear uh, Shannon McCormick as Oz shortly after. And um, although I find that in the balance of the audio, he's a he's a, a fair bit quieter than Jen, 
Um, I do yeah. like his voice a lot. I think Oz uh, yep. has a great, great delivery all the time, and he's got a nice little. It feels like a the bottom of a Hershey's wrapper. Like you've unwrapped it. It's just got a nice little <laughs> crinkle in it. I love hearing it, the man it, talk. It does have like it does kind of such a good also, like, comparison. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes does sense. Give us the like uh, the first idea that the two of them are having a conversation, which yeah. isn't revealed really until the end of Volume Three. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, if one of the things that it's one of the few things that it does seem they foreshadowed in, in early. Yeah, days. if they, if they didn't intentionally do it, they they pick up the pieces extremely well as in volume three. Yeah, so and yeah, then again, they, go ahead. They like they really nailed the whole idea of like there's this rivalry between them, like they're very opposite sides of the force of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, that's for volume three. <laughs> yeah, because like, like she sounds very calm and like she's very acceptingly telling you the story of the world when like fully at the end uh Osmond is fully rebuking her her whole statement of uh basically basically we are gonna lose <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh but sticking to the voice thing speaking of the voices like we also get to hear the honestly fantastic portrayal of Roman Torchwick. Yeah mm-hmm. um Ray, I oh I know his name it's on the tip of my Ray Haddock. Ray Haddock. Haddock, yeah, okay. Uh, so we hear. Wait, no, wait. What? Gray Haddock voices Roman Torchwick. Yeah, forever. Gray, no, uh, for well, one to three. One to three. And he then was they had they had Ice Queendom's voice actor for Billy Cammons. Okay, yeah, then Billy Cammons voices him. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I was somebody, and then uh, what's and, the, and then they had, they got a new one. Yeah, yeah, and then they got a new guy yeah. for okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Volume nine, volume nine, they got a new guy since Billy Sally passed away. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, we have we have Gray with Roman. Uh, we do we do see Roman again. We met Roman at the end of the yellow trailer, which we touched on briefly. Um, mm-hmm. And so we finally we see the 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 culmination, the results of his his appearance in the yellow trailer. He was going to Junior's club to hire those guards, and we find him here again with the very same guards marching up the alley to the dust shop. Um, do. You, so he he kind of opens with that line. Do you have any idea how hard it is to find a dust store open this late? Um, which I would have to to refute here. With that seems awfully upstanding for a thief. Wouldn't he's very wouldn't polite? You, yeah, wouldn't you just go yeah. to a? I feel like you'd have a better a time of, store. Yeah, like if you're going to go rob a store, why would you <laughs> go to one in. with people in it? Like why wouldn't you just go <laughs> to a, a closed dust shop? He's old school. He likes holding up people. It's more fun. Yeah, I would oh, guess it's true. just because I, I guess it's probably because Roman just sees this all as a game. Like it's a show. He just wants to flaunt off. Like I'm such a good little thief. Ha ha. <laughs> look, look at me. Remember my face. Like yeah, I remember my face. It turns out Gray was uh, cast really well on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not episode discussion worthy, unfortunately. Yeah, you're, but, um, look it up. You, you'll fit. It's not that hard to find what what he did. Yeah, <laughs> that is um, podcast material. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also very quickly get to meet our titular character, yeah. Ruby Rose. We meet Ruby Rose. Uh, she's listening to to the opening for the series as it will happen uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, this whole scene sets up as an immediate reference to the popular opener for the movie um, from Cowboy Bebop. 
uh, where where Spike experiences a very similar situation where the convenience store is being robbed there and he's got his mm-hmm. headphones on he's jamming out um this won't be the last that. cowboy bebop reference that the series has uh turns out the writers are very big fans of cowboy bebop yeah <laughs> uh fittingly so cowboy bebop's an extremely popular anime and and kind of sets a, a good benchmark for a lot of people who are trying to casually get into anime I, I see it on a lot of flow charts for how do i get my friend into anime cowboy bebop's always on those um, but yeah, probably, well, maybe Castle was saying that I've never seen Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yeah, so the same. Is, okay, but I've seen that scene. I, I've seen the scene you're talking. Okay, mm. I've never watched say. like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The the doors over here, so you can <laughs> walk out. <whenever laughs> um, it's probably worse that I've started what my first ever interaction with Cowboy Bebop was the Netflix show. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh um, no. Not not a discussion for the podcast, but I don't <laughs> for for other reasons, I don't hate the Netflix adaptation. It's not great. All right. No, not wait, great. hold on. Fuck the podcast. What the fuck did you just <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's here's mediocre. My... Real sites out. Here's my defense of the Cowboy Bebop Netflix adaptation, and we will not spend more than three minutes on this. The characters and the way the main cast intro uh interact with each other is genuinely funny most of the time. Most of the mm. time, they have a great chemistry. It's the way the rest of the script plays out and the way the rest of the plot and the show plays out that you're kind of like rolling your eyes at. It's not the greatest. And even the, the action scenes are kind of iffy. But genuinely, the actors have great chemistry with each other. And if the show continued on a more like Firefly uh, route, I feel like there's something there. They're generally just fun to be on screen with each other. So... I, I like the actors they got and they clearly put in their their whole you know their whole ass into the performance. Like they, they gave <laughs> yeah. it a shot and I, I commend them for that and it translates well to me. I see it on screen. So Okay. Alright. Yeah. Alright, Levi. You live for now. I have, back to I, the dust yeah. shop. Back, back <laughs> to the, the show we are talking about today. Yeah. Uh the the Ruby episode one Ruby Rose. So let's yeah. Yeah, let's get back. Uh, Does anybody else have anything to talk about? There, there's, actually, there's actually. Oh, well, you go first. Actually, I was gonna say I have two actually fun facts about the dust scene. Oh yeah, uh, so the canisters that they carry for the dust to steal. Hydro. That actually, yeah, there's like a hydrofast fix there. <laughs> actually, oh, really? Miles based those off of a just a straight up wine opener he owns. Like, oh, just hilarious! Okay, flat out, just he just grabbed as a base for like how that looks, which is like it's really strange. Like the, this, like dust shop immediately just puts up a lot of questions as to how what even dust is because yeah, uh, it, it's not. I'm not sure if it looks like a canister. Like yeah, I'm not sure if the canisters were filling up with like if it dust is actually like physical dust, yeah, like dirt dust, or is it like, like powder? Yeah, is that powder or is it? A and, liquid, <laughs> and it uses the like and halo like shield sound effect to like fill so, up yeah, the to fill it up. I immediately yeah. recognize that. Like that is absolutely yeah. uh, 100% yeah, that, the halo shield refresh noise. Yeah, I do think that's more of an Easter egg though, which is which is cool. If it, yeah, yeah. I also um, I had, got. No, you're. Oh, fine. I just want to say that's. Um, I also found out that the two, the other only two henchmen we heard in in this scene. They are actually to make a wish people that they had come in. 
Oh, oh no! Really? Oh, that okay. explains yeah, the voiceover. Okay, the two, uh, okay. two uh, Make Wish Make Wish Foundation people that came into Stephen were part of this program. Oh, that, that's cool. That melts my heart. That's so sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a very sweet little note I read. I'm glad you said that before we shit it on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they uh come. That's that's really cool that they were on the the show, even as as henchmen briefly. Those henchmen do get annihilated, unfortunately, but that's yeah. that's cool that they were there. <laughs> I um mm-hmm. to the to the effect of the wine openers uh and holding the dust. I am so curious. The model's already made and they've mm-hmm. it's proven that it works in the show. I have to wonder and we'll touch on it briefly in a little bit, but why doesn't why doesn't Weiss use these? Why doesn't Weiss use the She has like the, these like mason jars instead? She has these cork bottles that she holds <laughs> dust in and she could actually have like a sealed like airtight uh thermos thing which is like worse too because why is it in glass bottles? Right. <laughs> like typically the like highly volatile containers bottle. Yeah, it doesn't shatter. Like highly volatile containers are usually or like highly volatile like chemicals are held in plastic so that doesn't break <laughs> like yeah, they're like in we, almost like the small mason jars you find in the kitchen for spices. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll talk about that because we we touch on that in the episode here. But uh, let's let's center back to to the scene. So Ruby is uh, being accosted by our Make a Wish guard, and um, she <laughs> she dunks on him instantly. Uh, she starts resolving the problem immediately with property damage, which is an interesting way to resolve an Very issue. Big. Uh, I'm so yeah. glad that they showed her being capable of fighting without her weapon at this in this very first episode. I, I wonder if we'll ever touch on that eventually in like a future That's... volume. But you know, <laughs> I wonder if we will. <laughs> she seems very skilled in hand-to-hand combat. Is all I'm saying. Oh, okay. She, yeah, um, she punted that guy <laughs> out of the room and then drop kicked him out the window. Yeah, uh, he is guaranteed dead. We won't talk about her hand-to-hand combat later. Yeah, he landed, he landed on glass. He stabbed. <laughs> yeah, um, that guy is unfortunately met, met his maker. Um, <laughs> we yeah, the like, foundation ran out. <laughs> yeah. Just like her older sister, she's very good at hurting people. <laughs> uh, yeah, she it runs in, in, in the family. In her yeah. defense, she did at least ask this time uh, before, you know, Yang kind of commits widespread atrocity across the club, uh, apropos of nothing, whereas Ruby uh-huh. does ask, am I being robbed? And then the guard does confirm, like, yeah, yeah she got to confirm it. For and she was like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then she kills And him. then she throws hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which proving uh, Ruby's the protagonist. Well, uh, yeah, Yang. <laughs> yeah. And then she becomes John Wick. <laughs> Yeah, then she John Wicks all over the place. We are uh, we lay witness to an extremely satisfying action scene of Ruby just opening a can of severe whoop ass on these guards. I don't have a lot to talk about for the fight scene besides there's a, a several clean shots of of Ruby still utilizing her her sniper to move around. There's a lot of shots where she's just mm-hmm. firing to to back up mm-hmm. and to reposition. And like I said before in the trailers, it's something we sorely miss as the series continues. But here, it's very much uh, a real a reality that she still isn't good at moving the scythe uh, with her hands. Yeah. So she she still needs to fire to move around, and that that sticks out cleanly in this fight scene in particular. Uh, she does. Do we? Do these guards have aura, though, folks. Like they are, they are getting I hit by a. They're scythe. probably dead. I, they, she a hundred percent killed. 
<laughs> I believe right. doesn't it like everyone in the Ruby universe technically have aura at least sort of no, no, no. that everyone is capable of making aura but like it's That's like a conscious yeah. effort yeah yeah and, I always yeah. Just imagined it was like somehow gay, like, somehow like there are and some apparently like that don't have aura yeah also um, not everybody like knows of it yeah. yeah somehow because, you know, John, because I always like imagine it was like one of those things of like they had their R and just see, simply knocked them so hard that the instant their R broke, it just passed the hell out and like they never did it went full coma like Batman style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there you could argue there's precedence for that since they're guards. Maybe they've got like a little bit of aura in them, but it do they have enough to stop what are pretty much like point blank swings with a scythe? It's it's real. Yeah. It's tough. Hey, um, give, give her some credit. Unlike Yang, she didn't shoot them. So. <laughs> <laughs> True, she, uh... But she still swung a heavy piece of metal at like not like full speed through the, yeah. like, the ribs. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for for them, the scythe is still extremely large. And uh, yeah, so she deals with the guards and uh, pursues Roman up the up the the, the ladder up the building there and. Um, Roman, Roman climbs that ladder super fast. Too. He is yeah. so quick. He is hauling ass. <laughs> the, the dude's glutes are tighter than anything. He flies up that ladder. <laughs> he goes Ruby, up like three steps And then Ruby just time. shoots up that ladder yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, Ruby shoots up the ladder and then uh, she attempts to stop him and he jumps on a very cool little vertebrate. Uh, he, it's actually he our, first, sorry, it's our first view of uh, Ruby's semblance. It's her speed sum. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, we see her, her doing her very cool speed semblance again. I also think it's funny that when I was watching the first episode, I was thinking, okay, you can really see how rough and like they're very new to the use of poser because any only, oh yeah, the tool like, filter the, on that only like in the first mm. episode, but like when in a battle scene when they're moving around, the second not character is like not up close to the camera. It drops the quality models so fast. Oh yeah, like they turn into pixels almost. It's like almost like poser wasn't meant to make yeah. anime. <laughs> yeah, almost, like, almost. Because like you see, like every pixel on the character and every like of the buildings when it's a static shot in the background, everything is so like staticky. <laughs> yeah, Which really, that's... really kind of like sucks because, uh, like I was saying, this is the most we see of Vale for basically. The, well, the entire yeah. season, and in volume two, we don't really see much more. <laughs> yeah, we we do technically get downtown Vale as yeah in in season two, but you're right. For a lot of season one, this is the most we see of Vale, and uh, it's a shame because I've actually gone through the concept art of Vale, and the artist put in quite a bit of legwork to make sure that the the theme of the city was uh you know the similar kind of downtown London esque you know English vibe Victorian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the way the yeah. buildings come together and. Uh, it is a sh- um, of course uh drawing art and modeling it are two very different beasts so i understand yeah, there's a, a difference there but um it is a shame we don't get to see too much of veil uh here but uh so ruby gets onto the rooftop uh and she is immediately countered by the first appearance of cinder fall and in a rare turn of events um i'm not offended by this appearance of cinder because she's <laughs> uh-huh. still she's still wrapped in mystery she's still uh-huh. so so she's ambiguous cool. and yeah cool uh she's just there's so much you don't know about her or about the series this is episode one there's nothing we know on, about the series so on rewatch i actually uh, i had forgotten that she actually wears like silver I don't know, glass, 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 glass heels glass heels yeah, yeah. uh i for like 
So then there's just such a uh, a character that I forget to say some Cinderella. I don't know how I do because you know. <laughs> but no, she's uh, it's so great to to see her here. And honestly, uh, her first few appearances appearances in the the initial seasons are my favorite times to see Cinder. Um, but she she comes here to to stop Ruby, and then we are met with the first appearance of the Glinda Goodwitch. She is the first huntress on screen. Um, and she comes to. He comes out of nowhere too, just straight mm. like down from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, she kind of just literally flies in, pretty much. She's like Halo jumps from the sky. <laughs> uh, she was dropped from an ODST cruiser up in Atmo, <laughs> um, and she she finds her way here. Unfortunately, she just looks, down, just looks yeah, like a she... villain villain sighted. <laughs> just yeah. down. Well, he, he has superhero. We could know that her like semblance is just whatever the plot needs it to be. So maybe she is just like a wizard. Like the, yeah, like Professor McGonagall. Her little broomstick. <laughs> uh-huh. I, that's. I imagine like what if she actually uses her telepathy power on a broomstick and just flies around. <laughs> Now that's Maybe. that's probably pretty clever if she did that. Uh, it's a good way to keep watch of things. Unfortunately, uh, her telepathy semblance is not really nailed down until later in the series. So Joker's right. Um, in this fight, she pulls out all the stops. There is nothing Glinda Goodwitch mm. cannot do in this moment. Let's be real. Uh, she uses magic. <laughs> she she's straight yeah. up unapologetically. Like, this isn't Glinda magic. Goodwitch. This is like Professor McGonagall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. She makes Speci- a blizzard appear. Yeah, specifically, <laughs> she makes a lightning cloud, and then, yeah, Keith, she makes ice fall out of the same cloud. So it's not even yeah, like a dust much. thing. Like, she is just straight yeah. up, like, conjuring stuff here. Mm-hmm. Just like, glyphs and stuff. Just the magic glyphs don't help. <laughs> yeah, so I guess she's she might be related to the Schneez, because she's also can do glyphs. <laughs> oh, may- oh, that's a good theory. So what if Glinda is actually, like, a... Uh, removed a cousin twice like removed of the Schnee family. <laughs> oh my god! She's uh she's tangentially related by blood, but very 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 little. That, that's why she has issues with Ironwood. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a Schnee hereditary thing. You have glyphs and you have issues with Ironwood. That's yeah. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get uh, you're gonna now give Phoenix Knights the material videos on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Glinda is is introduced, and her and Cinder have a little spat. And Cinder's powers are, you know, I've never liked. Okay, her semblance is cool. I've never liked how broad stroke it was. Um, mm. And so what Cinder accomplishes here is still very it teeters on the edge because her semblance is so loose in application. Uh, one could argue she can really do anything, um, but she she pulls out all the stops to to fight Glinda here and our antagonists get away and and make their escape. There is no limitation to what Cinder can achieve with fire dust in her clothes. We don't see that Definitely. option a lot yeah. later in the series where people have dust in their clothes and Cinder uses it to extremely good effect here, I think. Yeah. Like, it's it's so useful. It seems super useful. Like yeah, when gravity that? dust in your shoes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. I also yeah. really like the uh the sound effects they use for whenever Cinder used like the something, the explosions on the ground, like the very screechy scream effect. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like it's almost like it's a sound of like it's really so it's superheating so fast, it's just it's just whistling. Yeah, it yeah. Like causes the air to expand and explode. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, but I do, I do really hope that they bring back the uh, dust weaved into clothing. 
because that's yeah, it's a really be cool, cool feature. Yeah, it seems like such a an in-universe like hit thing to 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 miss out on. I feel like there's a lot of really potential ap- clever application there, and yeah. for what it's worth, it's, go ahead. I guess that's because they said was it volume two that they said that the dust weaving into clothes is a very old and unused thing, really. Which is funny coming from anyone at that table because. I yeah. don't know if anyone's noticed, but everything in Ruby is like deeply rooted in tradition and like hierarchy. Like it yeah. seems uh-huh. like uh, it seems like something like that would stick around for the better, for better, yeah. or for worse. Like it's also like just super useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're naming their kids after colors after like from a war that happened almost a century ago. <laughs> exactly. Like there's there's no there's no chance you people aren't like trying this out more more normally i feel like having dust mm. and clothes has way more advantages and like the only disadvantage i can think of like off the top of my head would it be too expensive to do but that's fine huntsmen and huntresses i feel like would have enough of an excuse to be like all right i'm gonna spend a little extra money to make sure i can like have anti-gravity boots like in vacuo this should be weaving ice dust into jackets and stuff to stay cool yeah hell yeah liquid cooling yeah. All I'm all I'm saying is that if Cinder is the first one to be smart enough to like accent her semblance with fire dust and clothes, then maybe the world deserves to burn, folks. Maybe everyone yeah. else does deserve to die because Cinder smart. I don't know about that. Cinder being That's smart. That's the thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we won't we won't hang up on Cinder too long, but we do have her first appearance here. She's great. We love her. Uh, I think universally she is loved at this very moment. <laughs> no one has yeah, anything very menacing. Very they menacing. Can only go down mm. from here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we then have the sequence where Glinda takes Ruby into the unnamed interrogation room to to be debriefed, and we are introduced to Professor Ozpin. Shannon McCormick graces us with his voice. We hear him earlier in the episode, but he comes in. Uh, and I gotta ask, folks, who brings a plate of cookies into a detainment room? Freak. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> he says he does say some very sus things. Yeah. Immediately after this, uh, he does in he does introduce himself with "You have silver eyes." Um, yeah. <laughs> and then stares oh. deeply into her eyes while getting yeah. really uncomfortably close, which is extremely. <laughs> um, it's a very meme-worthy line here, and. We can we can debate the validity of the Deus Ex Machina that is introduced in Volume Three with Ruby's uh, secret Sharingan, but <laughs> if we if we wipe away the context, because this is Episode One and we're rewatching the series, if we wipe all that away and we have this strange man coming into this office or this this it's an interrogation room uh, and saying you have silver eyes, that's just such a a bizarre way to introduce yourself to anyone. I don't care who you are. Uh, yeah. I don't know that anyone's ever looked, walked up to anybody in the world and been like, you have blue eyes. And like, that's their introduction. That's that, actually that, saying it from minor. Yeah. yeah that, Derek, wait, was there, was, were people actually discussing it at all? Like when volume one and two came out? Uh, I, I have no clue. Really. I couldn't, not from my, I could find at least because I didn't find any big information about the silver eyes thing. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, like essentially everybody in the fandom before it became a thing in volume three just considered it like a throwaway line. <laughs> That's just Oz. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just part of volume one jank. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah, is I would, yeah. I would like really not they could have really like hinted at it, but then like in a way throw you off the sense that it's important by like probably saying like, Oh, you have silver eyes. Like your mother, something like that. Oh. 
Yeah, like, they could have done but, some of that to like make you not you think hey, about it, it, but you don't think it too much. And then they like never bring it up again until Volume Three. So because it's clear yeah. that they wanted to do something with it, but they I guess they just mm. didn't want to like make it too obvious because the moment they, yeah. like they're in school, the moment they start talking, oh yeah, there was once these warriors with like special eyes. Everybody would have immediately put it together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and that's why uh, it's it's such a bizarre thing to put here. Um, without I mean, even with context, still a weird thing to say. Uh, without context, extremely off-putting. Um, yeah, it he, also doesn't help that he calls her an adorable girl, such as your son. He does yeah. say <laughs> he does say those words uh, in that order. Yeah, still a strange thing for Oz to say. Uh, his conversation yeah. isn't going very smoothly. Um, also, I gotta I gotta ask, how the hell did he get footage of Ruby fighting? <laughs> That's a great question because shot for shot, of course, you know we know it's the the reused animation but it is a yeah. good question how does it he have probably, it was probably a shopkeeper cameraman like i wouldn't yeah, i would expect it to be like a thing like it was cctv camera or something like that but i feel like they could have easily done that but like just taking like a static camera in that scene and just the, that. yeah yeah i i wonder if there weren't too many like you know animation tricks and and you know, like behind the Absolutely. scene, like things where having a static camera would actually like look worse. Like it would just yeah, it possibly was a very like the angle of the lighting and things probably would have broken the whole thing. Like yeah. everything or, was probably set up. Or, just probably overthinking angle. it. They're probably overthinking it. It's just uh, like they like most things in early Ruby they didn't think about. It. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. really have much of a budget for it, so they just did that budget. and then we used it. Yeah, budget. There you go. The answer for it. The budget of a paper cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a bit of a like, tangent off of this exact thing we're talking about, but I guess it's relevant. Is is it implied that Crow is the one that got her in? Uh, because later on, that, Volume Three, it's revealed like he uh, he says exactly what Austin said, and says. he asked him, like, "How do you know what he what he said to me?" So is it implying that he was there? <laughs> I don't I don't know uh, that's exactly. Kind of one that I, I've been thinking is like so. Is that why Ospin immediately was pretty? Yeah, I I hesitate to talk about it too much because that's that's good. Uh, that's good food for yeah. for when we get to that part of the podcast. Yeah, like um, I couldn't find any information about if uh if he had anything to do with that. Oh, uh, we answered yeah, our own question, folks. We just yeah. we cracked the case here. Who gave? Oz, the CCT footage, it was Crow with the camera <laughs> as a crow. He was as sitting there bird. flying her around <laughs> ah, with it. Yeah, he had yeah, a little yeah, yeah, uh, GoPro. <laughs> yeah, he had yeah. a little crow GoPro as a camera. Crow with a GoPro. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did. I did read though that on that actually, uh, seemingly in the first episode of Ruby, they were supposed to, actually supposed to introduce Uncle Crow. Like he was actually was B in the episode. Oh, no kidding. He? Like completely, but they didn't. They just cut him, and then thought like we'll introduce him later. Huh. Oh, okay. It was a little bit weird that Osmond brought up Crow to this random like fifteen-year-old. Fifteen? Yeah. Well, 15, I mean, right? well, I mean, she. Well, she unless, unless he already knew, yeah. Well, that, that's kind of like, hey, that's my uncle. Yeah, it's something <laughs> that I've always kind of thought. Like, well, so wait, is Crow responsible for her getting into Beacon early? I don't Probably. know. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch on that or later. Pro being Ruby's dad theory, you know, looking back to that. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll touch on all of those very good theories later. Um, so they wrap up in the interrogation room, and Ozpin uh, accepts her into Beacon Academy. And the next time we see the the little girl, she is with her sister Yang. We got a nice transition into Yang, actually. Yang yeah. like 
causes yeah, the scene transition. That transition yeah. is so nice. She, she jumps <laughs> in the hug and then the background changes. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very, it's, very clean. It's one of my favorite transitions is all of Ruby. Yeah, we, we get another killer performance from Barbara also. Yeah, she sounds great. <laughs> Honestly, um, she's got... I understand Yang's a, a different beast in volumes one through three, but she's got such a elatedness to her voice. She's generally... It's a it's a pleasure to hear her. Uh, yeah. She's mm. just a great presence on screen. She's fun. Uh, yeah, and I, I, really <laughs> I really do mean like a great performance. I, she's infinitely better than she yeah. was in the yellow trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's Barbara great. really like she's really having fun with voicing Yang. Oh sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah. is Lindsay. Clearly, we didn't speak about Lindsay's voice. Uh, I, for what it's worth, I really like Ruby's voice throughout the the first mm. uh, two seasons here. Um, I mean, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea uh, hearing Ruby Rose talk, especially when in the trailer she's so cool and collected, and then in the series she's a little more, a little more dorky. whippy. She's a lot more dorky. Um, but mm. honestly, I really like her voice in the first two seasons. It, I really do. Yeah, uh, even, I know that Lucy. Like, I know Lucy yeah. doesn't like her early performance. That's why she changed the voice to be more. Uh, we're yeah. we're here to tell you, Lindsay. It's so good. Please, yeah, it's so back. good. Please go back. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Because later on, just. She wanted to make Ruby sound like the voice of Ruby sound more professional, possibly. Like she wanted to really give it more of a like feeling than just the squeak voice. Possibly. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll revisit the the Ruby voice topic when Volume Four rolls around because we got <laughs> we got some things to talk about there. But uh, but yeah, uh, Yang is introduced, and we hear uh, we do hear another voice that haunts me in my sleep. Uh, Lisa Lavender. She says words that I don't want to think about anymore. Um, and Jean makes his first appearance as a main character on the show. Yeah, um, as the main main character. Yeah, we got the main character of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did Why did he get a trailer? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we won't dog on Jean too much. We will, <laughs> we'll try not to dog on Jean too much. He does make his first appearance here as Vomit Boy, um, which is I think it's a very cute joke in the series that. Uh, mm. As the series goes on, Ruby's still got him in her contacts and her scroll as Vomit as Boy, Boy. Uh, yeah. which is, is adorable. Cute. I think it's a very good, uh, a very good joke running. But um, yeah, he's yeah. still Vomit Boy here. This is how he gets that moniker uh, puking all over the place. Um, kind of. This also when yeah. we get the uh, the name drop for Roman because Lisa. Yes. Yeah, Roman, Lisa, yeah. yeah, I've I have purged Lisa's entire spiel from my brain. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. I would have missed that. It also leads into the uh, a little snippet about the Faunus uh, conflict happening. Yeah. Before immediately switching to Glinda's like monologue. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. also, very importantly, police exist in this world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are. They are I, there. I, huh? I don't know what they do, but they exist. They <laughs> own the interrogation <laughs> rooms. Yeah, they have the interrogation. <laughs> yeah, I I also didn't realize until like recently that um, Lisa's voice actor is just Pira. I didn't realize. What? No, I feel bad. No, I'm so sorry, Jen <laughs> Brown. I didn't mean it. Yeah, I didn't, didn't realize it's Jen Brown. Insert glass breaking effect. <laughs> oh. I feel like the they, they, they heavy accent she gives Lisa just it throws you off that it's her. Yeah, she does a, yeah, she does a good job of throwing me off then because I. I don't like Lisa Lavender's voice, but I do love Jen Brown's rendition of Pira. Tweeting uh, so. at Jen Brown right now. Yeah, at Jen Brown. <laughs> Levi deserves to be canceled, please. Yeah, it it is a very different portrayal than any of like she does for Pira or Caroline. So she yeah, mm. uh, 
Yeah, she sounds very different. It's hard to tell. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was Jen Bram, but if you don't, then you... Like, Levi, you would never know. <laughs> yeah, you would never know. Uh, she does a great job cloaking it. Um, we, we have got to move to episode two uh, for, for time purposes. The last thing I want to touch <laughs> on real quick before we do is that the opening plays at the end of this, at least in uh, on Crunchyroll, the opening plays at the end of this episode. Yeah. And uh, I think it is for everything. Um, at the, the last shot where the camera is kind of uh, panning out and in the courtyard and we see all the characters before we end on Ruby, uh, Glinda is hovering like four inches off of the ground in that last shot. I think that's <laughs> my favorite part about it. Uh, so. She's a hologram. She is a hologram. Uh, a hologram. Move, moving on to episode two, The Shining sure. Beacon. Uh, what we kind of... The, oh. the intro? Any thoughts on the, on the first intro uh, for... Ruby? I don't have a lot of thoughts if you guys want to take point here for the in, the opening. I think it's cool that uh, it did do the anime thing of the first intro being one of the best ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The best one. <laughs> they, need right. a, they need to play that song like whenever the final battle happens. It's, like, no, it's whatever. It's honestly. The thing so is, though, I'm pretty sure if I'm right, that's volume two's opening, volume one's opening is like, it's one of the lower ones, if I'm pretty sure. Like it's, I'm pretty sure, mean? like volume two, like beats that in views. Oh, oh does well, it? I, yeah, I, I personally like volume two more. I think volume two is my favorite, but it's uh, let me fact check this. Uh, they all blend together at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, volume, yeah I, I see volume, all the volume. Yeah, volume two, three, four are beats in view count volume one. Surprisingly. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It, That's. It, uh, I feel like volume points. four is probably popular because it's the first. It's that jump back into Maya, so people are like, the Maya stuff yeah. Here. yeah, and then, uh, which is funny, because I actually loathe and detest the Volume 4 opening, um, but we'll we'll jump on that when Volume 4 comes around. I think the full song is so much better, because they cut the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, the song is fine. I actually, I, I have strong opinions about what plays during the, uh, the uh, opening, okay. so... Yeah. yeah whatever uh we won't we won't i don't have time to talk about that so uh, they lied to you. All right, yeah. uh <laughs> shining beacon part one and two are episodes two and three and we'll jump right into that we're just gonna start talking about uh you know kind of starting towards the the first parts of episode two and moving onward uh the uh, airbuses drop the initiates off uh keith did you have something no uh, okay go um we get our first look at beacon academy uh we see and it from the many shadowed uh, yes, it's, it's many shadowy people. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a clever way for how shoestring the budget is at this point to to kind of mm. put a, an obvious kind of persona like focus on the the uh-huh. protagonist. Uh, and for those of us that have only played Persona Five, it used to be in in uh, prior titles. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Persona Three have like shadow? Uh, civilians walking around or am i making that up entirely am i gonna have to fix this in post uh, we'll, we'll find out in the new game <laughs> yeah, I, uh um, actually i played the first like 30 minutes of three so i, I uh let me, i can quickly fact check that while we're <laughs> yeah don't, don't take on. too much time doing it dark way um but yeah why i think it's a cool choice uh, given how tight the budget is yeah uh, it puts a good focus on the characters, and we all know as viewers that we don't care about these other people anyway. Like we're not here for them, uh, so it helps kind of, fu- you know, funnel our attention to the to the important characters that we do need to know about. And we know Jean is one of them immediately. Uh, there are some interesting quirks about the system, as we see in this episode, actually, um, that that aren't very consistent. But 
we'll we'll move on from that. So we we touch down on Beacon Academy, and we also get a first look at Ruby's very cool two D chibi form. Um, totally does sound oh, like very cool. <laughs> does anybody else kind of fold inward with cringe when this happens? Yes. Or? Okay. I, I think before. Mm. Whenever, whenever they do like the the the, the like cartoonifying. Yeah, of, yeah, like the characters. I, I, I think before Volume Five, this was the only time that I cringed that Ruby. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's tough because you know you have got your anime tropes and you want to follow yeah. them, but there's something that doesn't quite translate from three. It's 3D. so jarring. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't like it isn't aged well. Like it was no. good like when you first watch it, but then you look back, it's like that's not as good as yeah, straight up 2005 <laughs> deviant art like yeah i would argue i'm not sure it translated well when i first watched it and it definitely doesn't translate well when i watch it again um but we do see ruby's chibi form and it's interestingly cringy uh she does freak out over other weapons which we don't s- correct me if i'm wrong she doesn't do that a lot after season two does she uh, a lot of things Okay, I think like a few hands down comments, but she doesn't like the the full freak out of weapons anymore. Yeah, yeah I wish I, they, I wish they played to... more into that. I yeah. would like Ruby like, could totally so... help her like friends with like their weapon upgrades and yeah. like, like, apples well, like or character trait that they just because I do I do yeah. remember that one part they did mention like later on about her freaking out over weapons, but I can't remember which part at all. Yeah. Somehow, the episode where she sees a cool weapon, she goes, Wow, like she does the whole thing of like kind of giant anime eyes. Yeah, I, I what the only other all. part where she where I can think of the giant anime face is when they're making fun of Jean's hoodie in like volume four. Um, <laughs> but that's yeah, but, that's uh, equally that cringy. Still, that was on model though, they used her actual. Model. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that it's better, it's still cringy to me, but uh, they it is 3D. Um, but yeah, uh, she does have her little weapon freak out, which is cute. I think it's a, like Joker said, I think it's a cute little character trait. And unfortunately, we just don't revisit it later. Uh, Yang's very cool friends uh, make their first and their last appearance here. Um, we, we don't. We where it's really sad that they die during initiation. Yeah, they uh, they're the they're the other people in the lineup when they're doing the the landing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Yang gets shafted for the first three volumes, so we don't get to see her grief about the death of her friends. But That's true. Yeah, it is yeah. it is an honest strategy. <laughs> uh, yeah, tragedy that all of them uh, met their violent end at the hands of a uh, Grim. <laughs> yeah, they got, they, they got like a Viking funeral in the background. <laughs> yeah, they either die at the landing strategy or they are killed in the fall of Beacon. Um, it's it's either way. So it looks better for Yang if they died in the. Um, Uh, we we also meet uh, Keith's favorite character, Weiss. Yeah, hell yeah. Talk about that at all? Do you have anything to add for Weiss? Uh, Um, she starts out really. uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word mean. Okay, she starts out really mean. And don't worry, she 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 like gets better in time, but she is. Mm. It took it took all my strength to to, <laughs> to to like not be to not like write her off as a character. Like holy ho- like, holy shit, this character yeah. is so mean. If she didn't have white hair, it would have been a wrap for her. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> thing you didn't write her off because otherwise you wouldn't have had your career. <laughs> the, 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 I saw the white trailer. I was like, this is the best girl. 
<laughs> yeah, and then she's in. She, had, she hadn't. She hadn't spoken yet. Basically, ouch. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> those are cancelable words, right there. Yet again, I, I realize now. Yeah. <laughs> um, saying women are better when they don't speak. Oh boy, don't this put words is, in my mouth. There's a lot of this I get to fix in post. Um, I will. I will say that Weiss. She is extremely. Uh, uh, she is very mean. I think most importantly, she is the reason this ha- the accident happens at all actually uh, mm, she yeah. is the one that shakes the bottles the non airtight um, sealed bottles yeah she is yes. a full of explosives yeah she's accosting ruby about proper handling protocol and then she is shaking it she's uh, violently all that does scattering so, it everywhere we can't expect anyone, uh, by the way, we can't expect anyone to know that sneezing will uh, detonate. Yeah, how does that happen? In the yeah, air. Um, yeah, I don't, we, I, I cannot get into the scientific uh, applications of why it happens, but uh, for, for Weiss like to hand her, a, yeah, for Weiss to hand her a pamphlet on how to properly handle <laughs> dust later, only to do this now is extremely mm-hmm. hypocritical, and I think Weiss Schneeze should be canceled because this is. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, she gets Schnee. better. Yeah, she's. This is particularly egregious given how hard she comes down on Ruby throughout the the first few episodes. <laughs> so also remember, guys, she gets slightly worse before she gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, she exactly. does. She actually does get a little bit of a pally before she she hits peak. So, um, we we are in the same scene where Weiss is accosting Ruby uh, in the the courtyard after Ruby explodes. Everybody is explode. sneezing. Yeah. Uh, the bottle do... gets dropped. Yeah, we yeah. See... roll towards Blake without exploding. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to point out a funny thing that I was looking up to some inter- interesting facts about these episodes. Um, for the scene when she just blows, when she caused a big explosion with the dust, they when they showed off that scene like early in the RTX panel for our first review of Ruby, they yeah. actually they, of course they didn't have any of the effects done, so it's just a big text when that explosion happened and saying Boom. kaboom, and it it's <laughs> missing, and in the corner uh, is having a Ruby Rex. <laughs> nice. This is the uh, this is also. Uh, unfortunately, with the introduction of Weiss, it's also the departure of the mighty Fushigi Cube, which only begins with oh, Weiss's fighting mm. ability. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on, yeah, we don't see the the blessed Fushigi Cube. We talked about it briefly in the trailer episode, but she doesn't have it anymore, um, which is probably why she's shaking the bottles. She probably has traded a lot of yeah. knowledge with the Fushigi Cube. So, yeah. so I just want to point this out, because I, I haven't seen anyone say this, and I wasn't sure if this is something you guys realized, that when in like the first few episodes, when you see Ruby, she has a weird red line on one of the sides of her of her chest. Oh, it's oh no, that's the that's the boot pocket. That's just a breast you pocket. Yeah. You don't see it later on. Oh no, no, no she she keeps that all the way through volume. She does. Uh, three? Yeah, she caps it on. Because I, I looked at some other screenshots of like volume three and things. I didn't see that. I, I think volume three has more of like a the. Blow out the 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 outfit the oh, go out like, outfit. Yeah, the colors kind of like blow out a lot more, so it's harder to see because her outfit is more black than it is in the volume mm. one. The contrast goes hard in volume three. Yeah, volume three looks <laughs> great. I love volume three. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that stood out. And I kept looking at going, is that just a VFX error that they never noticed? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's actually just a chest pocket. Um, and yeah, we, yeah, like, yeah. we talked about it briefly, but yeah, she does that does belong there. She's got it. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Okay. She, she, we don't know. It's just a doing. weird detail that people miss. Yeah. Basically. Mm. Yeah. So, um, we have Blake is introduced as, uh, she kind of tells Ruby and by extension the viewer who White Schnee is or who her family is. And, uh, she has got some snarky remarks to say about the, the heiress of the Schnee Dust Company. Um, as she closes up the scene, Weiss goes one way uh, towards a, what I presume is the, the auditorium. The, the auditorium. Having, mm. And then Blake turns the other way? <laughs> Blake, like, Lenny pads. Blake is like walking towards the landing dock. Like, I have no idea where she thinks yeah. she's going. Uh, but She forgot something. Yeah. We, we established that the shadow people are the ones that don't matter and only like detailed characters matter. Uh, we get introduced to the also important wait staff or Weiss that are all properly all they're all properly rendered. So they must matter. Plot wise, I do expect them to return. If they don't, yeah. I will be crushed. Yeah, they <laughs> I just met them and I love them. If anything happens to them, I will kill everybody in this chat and then myself. Exactly. I'm just imagining like a thing of like Miles Slater posting a thing like, oh yeah, they died in, in like the uh, fall of uh, Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, you hate to see it, folks. They, That's also I, what happens I, to I, Yang's high school friends, like yeah. her, her friend group. They died in the fall of Beacon. Don't worry about it. There's like <laughs> four people with her. Yeah, no, the, the, they they didn't matter as much because they wouldn't render. <laughs> oh yeah, but the guy, but the guy, the shirtless guy in pajamas with abs. Yeah, later, we'll, later we'll get to that. Yeah. we'll get to <laughs> that. That's next episode. <laughs> um. <laughs> We do this episode wraps up with Jean Arc being uh, introduced properly. Uh, he meets Ruby there in the courtyard, and they have a, a brief little exchange. Um, but uh -huh. uh, they they talk briefly about weapons and uh, converse about Jean's uh, entrance uh, into Beacon and his sword. There, yeah, it's a it's a charming conversation. We find that Ruby yeah. can perhaps make <laughs> friends after all. I will take a brief. I'll step on my soapbox and say that I understand. That John is supposed to be this new character. He's new to the world, really, as as at large. Yeah. Uh, he's clearly new to Beacon and the world of Huntsman the and Huntresses. It's well, a country bumpkin. Yeah, he does the protagonist yeah. thing where he's the new person introduced to this world, and then he introduces us to all the new things. Yeah, yep. yeah. The main character. Bro. Uh, <laughs> he got easily which, Don't worry. Uh, yeah, Sean uh, is the he's, the new Isekai protagonist. He's yeah. literally a persona protagonist. It comes from the countryside <laughs> into the city. Yeah. He is the the he's uh Yunarukami from Persona 4 without all yeah. of the uh all of the swagger and the riz, yeah. Um I will <laughs> Actually, say no, a... he, he has un unseen riz is what the pull Pira <laughs> That's true. Uh that is actually extremely true. Uh Pira's the only one susceptible to his riz powers. Um and, and the MILFs and Atlas, but yeah, that's <laughs> and the the yeah, the moms and Atlas are smitten by the man. Uh, but I will say on my soapbox here briefly that I I genuinely hate uh, everything about Jean's outfit. I don't yep. like the way it looks. I don't like the color scheme of it. I know that people are going to be like... He looks like a RuneScape character. Yeah, uh, yeah, people are going to be like, Levi, you dumb, stupid, <laughs> idiot baby. Like, he's supposed to look like he doesn't belong. He just got here. And like, yeah. I get it. From the I'm other world. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that I understand the concept. I do. What I'm, I'm also saying is I do not personally like it at all there's nothing about it uh that is visually entertaining or interesting to me and it makes me want to puke in my mouth i yeah, want to be a vomit like, boy when i see sean the best it's part about movie. it is the uh the pumpkin Pete's logo that's covered up and we don't really get yeah. to see it. <laughs> it's like a very like, mix big mix of colors yeah 
it's yeah it's not a great color scheme so many things on it yeah everything about it is rubs me the wrong way and to joker's end point i do think that it's a I think it's clever that they still have the logo at all. You can you can mm. yeah. see the rabbit. You can see like the little like bottom part of the rabbit's yeah. head, like under the but, breastplate. Yeah, I, I think, think it's also, cute that you can see it. Yeah. I think it's also funny that they never like point this out, but like actually in uh, I think later if you look like, on like all the information about John, like they actually have a funding of that model for one to three of one to three. He has on the bottom of these shoes, he has a left and right written on them. Yeah, a real, oh uh, a real, a real Toy Story moment there with Andy yeah, and Woody. The, it was we know that of course because they mentioned that it's really because they fucked up his model, like they confused the shoes multiple times, so they had to put left and right, but then the left had on the model, the actual that, show. So like it's more that, like a funny thing of almost like he doesn't even he doesn't remember his left to right. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, that's real rough. That's that's funny that, uh, that in university, yeah, I didn't. That doesn't imply that. Uh, John is a little, I, a little. I, I can, I can believe that it's like a thing in the universe. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll jump to the next episode real quick. We got to fly through these. Um, Pira's introduced as they they walk. The party is introduced or as they walk into the the auditorium, and as they start to separate from John, and John makes a remark about not where he's going to find a girl. To girl. Talk to. Yeah, uh, a nice quirky girl to talk to. <laughs> As soon Pira as he walks off behind shot, him. yeah, Pira is, is visible behind him. Uh, we don't hear her yet, but she is there. So not, and like we said before, she is rendered properly. So not very subtle. Uh, she's immediately visible. I think, I think it's so funny that the whole thing of like him saying, I'll keep this brief, then goes on for like almost a minute speaking. <laughs> Which in Ospin's defense, I mean, if I could find yeah. a school, like official that would only talk for a minute. Oh, for a minute. So, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if it is rehearsed like every year, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's just funny because like it's his speech is as long as the intro for the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in universe, I suppose. In, and, uh, yeah, it's not. It makes sense to them, but for us as the viewer, it's a little. It's funny because he does take up a little bit of, of episode time, but you can't. Yeah, you can't blame the man. We like to hear. Uh, we like to hear Ospin talk. So yeah. Yep, um, and we and the wife comes back and keeps being, you know mean yeah weiss oh, does hand is mean <laughs> yeah i put the insult john nice <laughs> yeah weiss hands ruby the pamphlet and it's extremely hypocritical uh weiss should actually read that herself she clearly needs to to brush yeah. up on proper etiquette for handling dust um i actually found out there's actually a let me find that again. There's actually a full transcript of what the back of that um, pamphlet does say. Oh, is it? Like okay. It's a giant, it's, of course, thing. So I'm not going to read it because that's going to take way too long. It was like, it's a full outline. <laughs> wow. Well, at least they, like, they... It's a full thing saying, like, hey, if you're interested in dust, but like, you're very stupid, here's a guide for you so you don't kill anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm glad the Shiny Dust Company is so considerate to their to their user base or their um, their audience. I love the shots of the uh, from um, from the stage where you see the the crowd of of shadow, of shadow people. people. <laughs> you see <laughs> the main characters in the back. <laughs> Spot the main characters. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that that there's something to be said, like I mentioned earlier, about them being very very. Uh, precise and obvious about who is important and who isn't here. So, um, 
Yeah, Oz finishes his speech, and Glinda Goodwitch comes on stage and tells yeah tells everyone to go to the ballroom. Um, mm. Which I'm I'm confused as to why you wouldn't just put people up in the dorms anyway. Immediately, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why like, we're. I guess it. that's it's I, like it's because like it's pre-initiation. I guess. They yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. more confused as to why they didn't just go straight into initiation. Like, what happened to the rest of the day? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. Like, they go true. in there in the morning and it just hard cuts tonight. Yeah. Like what did they do? <laughs> That's obviously the, the kind of those things I really liked about like Ice Queendom, honestly, with the whole thing of they just straight up get dropped right away off at initiation points instead of school yeah. scene. Yeah, which would you know again that's uh from the from the end of looking back, we're unfortunately here in this this show we're kind of stuck with uh the hard yeah. cut tonight's time. Well, I, I have to believe they dropped him off at like 3 p.m. and they had dinner maybe. Was like a small tour maybe. Yeah. Because we do see that, that John and, and Ruby kind of walk around the courtyard for a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So where, where we do get the confirmation that when weapons shrink, they don't get lighter. Yes. Which, yeah. uh, which means that's why Ruby has those massive shoulders that we see in her pajamas. Oh my god, in her pajamas. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because she's just action, like Crescent Rose is just legitimately as heavy as portrayed, where it's dropped and breaks concrete, and Ruby has no issues just carrying that at her waist. Like, it's, holy uh, fuck. <laughs> if she lets it go, her semblance increases twice over. <laughs> it is actually kind of like terrifying how strong ruby is like everybody always says oh yang's the strong one she's the one with the muscles and they know it's ruby nah, it's <laughs> she's uh she's yeah she's sandbagging real hard but she's the strongest she doesn't want to yeah. make yang feel bad yeah <laughs> so we uh we get done with the courtroom scene or the yeah the auditorium scene and we go to them in the ballroom like joker said we just hard cut there and um yang uh, is talking to her sister and talking about how great the view is and then we have a an interesting shot of what are completely rendered like just hunks like that's just the (laughs) dudes that are there uh which i think is interesting that they get rendered uh to showcase their sweet bods but nobody else is um and john is pajamas pajamas and and john is in his uh pajamas there to onesie yeah Mm. it's kind of wild that these didn't make the uh the bunny his yeah. Like logo, since he basically almost had a bunny on it. No, he, he, it does. Like that's oh, why okay. it's weird that it's not his logo, since everybody else seems to just wear their yeah. logo and all their clothes except for him. <laughs> yeah, also, I think it's very funny. Huh? Like Yang is like just staring, very like interested in the guys. When John walks past, she goes, Ew. <laughs> uh, "Yeah, she's uh she's not at all enthused with yeah. John's appearance." But you know, Pierre is on the other side of that ballroom like sweating <laughs> profusely yeah. as he walks on also like, ass of volume she got the sniper scope trained on him <laughs> yeah yeah like jean uh essentially like single-handedly made yang like women he, he saw she saw jean and said mm, <laughs> I, think I, I think i go yeah, the that, other was, way. that was her turning point that was her turning <laughs> oh, point yeah life. we're uh we're, we're kind of on gold here that's that's a good point she sees jean at the end of the shot and she immediately yeah, comes like, to turn she's like oh no actually oh i, mean, I like women instead yeah, she's like uh, cat lady yeah i'll go with that one <laughs> yeah uh, and, and in doing so great transition, she uh, tries to introduce Ruby to, to Blake, who is reading by the wall there. Um, and Blake is 
in a fully lit room, she still just has to land. Yeah, she's still reading by candlelight. Uh, she does a great job here of mm. being extremely antisocial. Um, yeah. Uh, I we've all to some extent. I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like most of us have been there where we're like, please just leave me alone. Like I don't want to talk to you yeah. right now, especially in high school or junior high or whatever. Like I get that. Uh, but Blake, yeah, back of the class, yeah, dramatically stare out the window. <laughs> stare out the window. Your yeah. main character vibe. Uh, emo Blake is best <laughs> Blake. We miss emo Blake around here. Yeah, Blake does it very okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I think it's funny that everyone's just wearing like in general, like general pajamas. Like, oh yeah, she's like in like a like a whole, like a whole on. on like silk robe thing. Yeah, Blake yeah, isn't an actual so like robe. nightgown. It it, yeah. it it really I think it foreshadows that she's that she's like part of like this like big menagerie family thing. Yeah, that she's where, very where she's like. Yeah, yeah, which is also, hilarious compared to how she, she just in a straight up robe. What it's like, it's like a uh, it's both male and female students are in there. Yeah, I also think it's like the logistics of that is like, oh god, <laughs> they're all <laughs> okay. teenagers too. Like, they, they were the fan fiction was writing itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Blake, like the, no, I like the detail that like everyone's pajamas in this scene does have their logo. Yeah, uh-huh. like yeah. even like Weiss like has a tiny little schnee star like uh, like a snowflake on it. Like everyone has so, in a way somehow. Actually, just, is Ruby the only one that doesn't? Because she has like the yes roses on yes roses on her pants, but it's not the logo. Those are hearts, right? Are hearts? Uh, no, no, they're, they're, they're roses. They're, they're roses, but they're not the uh, yeah. They're not her logo rose. I think it's the color, just a colored in version of her rose. No, oh, no I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's not the logo. It's just roses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, we this is up until recently the only time we see Weiss with her hair down. It is. Actually. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> up, up until uh, a recent trailer that just dropped as of the time of this recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we do see Weiss with her hair I down. I do not perceive um, it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we see Blake being extremely antisocial. Um, and uh, she she does her best to to kind of keep a uh, keep Ruby at arm's length. At four fifty one, we have uh, Ruby's Eldritch chittering. She just kind of makes a series oh, of noises um, there uh, to to kind of express her discomfort. It's it's cute, but it's also slightly horrifying. It gave me nightmares the first time I watched it. Um, <laughs> so for anyone joining us in the rewatch proper, please be careful. You have a warning at four fifty one. Just skip the next five <laughs> seconds. Um, Blake, oh, they don't get yeah. affected by yeah. Eldritch uh, horror. <laughs> Skip they, ahead. They also do the cartoon thing again. Yeah. They do. It's yeah, a it's little less yang, like in, in like a cat fight, basically. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. a little less cringy here, uh, just the the premise of it, but it's still pretty pretty cringe. Uh, Blake does foreshadow a little bit about Ospin's whole shtick in her book that she's reading. Yeah. Very mysterious. The old man with two souls. Yeah. Um. So Which that I actually they point people have pointed out that book is the real like it's actually fully based of course off of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde of course yes yeah. because uh-huh. the the cover the transcript that she reads is just a straight line from Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde oh is it okay <laughs> yeah oh, okay. I didn't know that it's the scene when Jekyll actually drinks the potion becomes Jekyll and Hyde oh uh, okay I've, I've well it, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, maybe she is just reading uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde then and uh, not not so much about the infinite man and his uh, his 
uh, journeys there on Remnant. Um, and then Weiss it, enters the scene with her hair down, and they start. Hell arguing. yeah! Uh, <laughs> as the the girls the before we, forever drew her that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we move on to the next episode, um, one of my favorite parts about this particular scene is when Weiss is on screen and they're arguing. You can barely hear it because Weiss is super loud. Uh, they're all kind mm. of yelling over each other, but the the gold reprise starts to play. There's a little low le motif oh. of the of gold oh, that really? starts to play in the background. I've never yeah. heard you never hear it. Uh, and you actually only hear it once more, I believe. And I wish, please, Jackie, talk to me. Uh, I, <laughs> I think it only plays one more time in the series in volume five when Yang and Weiss get to the house and they hug Ruby. Like you hear huh. it one more time there, but this is the first time the 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 gold lay motif plays, and it's very brief. It's only about six or seven seconds, but it's it's oh, so pretty. Awesome. Uh, it's so, a great transition. Speaking of how good the the volume one soundtrack is, uh, yeah, hmm. it, it's a shame we don't hear it more because gold is one of my favorite songs of the entire it's soundtrack. One of the greatest ones. Oh, it's it so is. good. Um, like all the all the songs in the in volume one are like yeah, all the early songs are. Mwah. Just absolute right. bangers. Uh, Jeff was just yeah. like like working on all cylinders in the first few volumes. Like. <laughs> yeah, he's the the uh, epitome of the of the GIF with the the quill on or the pen on fire on the paper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, this the episode ends with the the girls bickering and Blake blows out the candles. Uh. But the lights are still on, so yeah. I don't know what she's it's doing. Mm. Um. She's done reading. Yeah, she's just she's done, uh, and so are we. Uh, she's we jump into episode four and five, the first step, part one and two, and we are introduced to the characters Ren and Nora. Do you guys have anything to to talk about it's, with them? It's so sudden the way the <laughs> way they bring them up. Yeah, because it, it's like it's it's in Ren's perspective where he's opening his eyes, right, and then you just get a face full yeah. of Nora immediately. <laughs> and you're like, who who the hell is this? It's definitely like. Uh, Strange to hear Monty now yeah. <laughs> again as Ren since I'm just it's, gotten so used it's to very me. like nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do so, think also, it's think... funny to their relationship that Ren doesn't even say a word until like a yeah. minute into the episode where he's like Nora. I don't think Sloths talk very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. Also, I just want to say Ren is. I think Pusher is like from. I remember he's in all of volume one to three, the character with the most details in his hair because he has full shine lines and everything and shading. Oh, like, he, most they, had, they had to give him something. So yeah, they had, they had to give him something so they didn't get him. And he's the only character that got shafted harder than Yang. Yeah, we see uh, they're introduced um, to us and uh, we to the, to the point we made it earlier about everybody wearing branded clothes, Nora's hairbrush has her logo on it. No. Um, that's uh, that's real commitment to the bit, and yeah, the, uh, the toothpaste. Although, of the I, I, I am gonna be like honest. I think that this is probably this might be my least favorite Nora outfit. Is that is oh, that a really? controversial take? I don't think that's a controversial take. I don't think that's controversial. It is it definitely yeah. it definitely volume four outfit four. is mwah, is it's so yeah. good. The bomber jacket is perfect. The bomber jacket. Mm. The, the broken heart. It's like oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. That. Volume four Nora is peak Nora hours, and we'll we'll yeah. get there when we when we get there. But yeah, the uh this outfit's okay. It reads a little too sci-fi for me, honestly, like some of the decal on the outfit, but that's that's uh -huh. what I heard. Yeah. Um mm. to, to move forward, we do see uh I want to 
quickly touch on when Ren and Nora walk off camera and we see Ruby and Yang in the, the locker room. Yang is just standing there staring at nothing. She's just mm-hmm. like, she's not <laughs> facing Ruby. She's just facing the other way and she's not doing anything. She's just completely standing still, like frozen, not yeah, doing anything. Like, I think that what probably about it. What yeah. probably happened is that Monty like animated it without the background. So it was probably, probably. meant to be another locker. He's going to be looking in a locker. Uh, either a locker. Uh, it would have even been good if like a black like silhouette person was like just standing there and then like walked away to like imply that she was talking yeah. to somebody else. One of her yeah. cool friends. <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah, one of the cool friends before their death. <laughs> uh, yeah, before their untimely demise. Uh, uh, we do also get the introduction to the really cool uh, rocket lockers. Yeah, yeah we I see love them. the rocket lockers. They're so cool. It's such a like a yeah. fun uh, world building idea. And also, uh, I, go ahead. I just went. I also found out that the actual number that John has for his locker six three six is actually a reference to the main address for that at the time Rooster Teeth office. Oh, is it? Like, that oh, was that fun. was their that was their address number. So six three six. Nice. Okay. Yes. So they're they're looking for their lockers. I don't think we know in this scene that they're rocket lockers yet, do we? Yeah, we we I don't think we do yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they that. are they are important. They are interesting. It's a cool here. concept. Yeah. Yeah. We do um, get the the confirmation that Ruby is actually not lactose intolerant. He does yeah. drink milk, folks. Uh, you heard it here <laughs> first on the podcast. Uh, Ruby confirms she drinks milk. So. Yeah. Uh, she she loudly protests to Yanks. Uh, insistence that she should be on a different team to find friends oh we are introduced <laughs> to the first um, time yang decided she wasn't gonna be a good sister we'll tell uh, you yeah <laughs> <laughs> we won't linger too long on on yang not being a great sister here but uh she does she does try to she in in a what might could could be argued as a good sister uh might try to do she does try to get ruby he to, tries to get her to branch out. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I only goof. I'm, I'm goofing. We're, we we do a little bit of. Joking. You thought I was the cancelable one here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all right. Levi will scrub the all the bad things I say. Yeah, we'll we will fix this in post. Uh, so you better get me too. Yeah, <laughs> we are introduced to what is hotly debated, but I will stand proudly by the best girl of the first three seasons. Uh, Weiss Schnee. Oh, <laughs> Pure Nikos. Uh, is I, was, I, was gonna, I was gonna say, what are you talking about? Neo hasn't introduced yet. I don't know. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I know who I'm not having on the podcast in the future. Um, Pira is introduced to to us and in her infinitely endearing charm. Um, she, Jen Brown, does a great job of, of voicing Pira. I love hearing her talk, and uh, Pira's got such a an openness about her that you wouldn't kind of as Weiss introduces her later uh, in the scene you wouldn't really expect from someone with such high accolades uh for for a fighter as as uh well regarded as Pira um, but she's very open and friendly and uh as we mentioned earlier bizarrely attracted to to Jean and his yeah his uh somehow. idiocy his somehow his naivety yeah is the, the word I'm looking for there. She's really into a... guys that don't like her. <laughs> yeah. I would guess it's probably because one of those things that he's very normal. That's probably why she likes him. She doesn't care about her status at all. Yeah. yeah. I, that is what she says. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is drawn to that. And um, But even, even this early in the series, you could argue she's friendly to everybody, which she is. Uh, but yeah. uh, she definitely 
isn't turned away by Jean's weird comments uh, or anything about being on his team. She's weird comment is an understatement. Yeah, no, he's he comes on extremely is, oh strong. My God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, John is unbearable in the first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, he really is living up to his like. Uh, Before he started like flirting after like every other girl, I was like, "Oh, I, Lancaster's kind of cute." Like, yeah. <laughs> and then immediately he turns into and the, then immediately it's a, kind of, it's a ladies' man. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. I think it's I think it's funny all the reactions I've seen of like the early Ruby. Everyone hates the early John. Of like, they think I he's mean, supposed to be he's, like, he, he's such a douche. Yeah, yeah. he does. Wait, he does like make a turnaround in volume two with the. The, yeah, he gets definitely. better from like the dance. Yeah. What, what, that's basically where I turned around and was like, "All right, you're not so bad." <laughs> yeah, uh, it takes all of us time to warm up to Jean, but in all honesty, uh, like Darkoy said, he does come on extremely heavy-handed in the first few episodes, and it doesn't show any signs of improvement until like later seems, seasons. Like he's, they make him seem like with all the heavy flirting and everything he does, he seems like the, an '80s greaser. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. <laughs> It's rough. He, obviously, he's just trying to to kind of get his way into the crowd, but it's not. Mm. It don't not it, working. That dog don't hunt, folks. Yeah. Um. To move on, uh, we he's have. All, he's also a fake pumpkin Pete's fan because he didn't recognize Pierre immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I do want to talk about that very briefly. I know pumpkin Pete's is like was for a time a real thing. A real has thing, anyone? Yeah. Has it anyone still had it? It still yeah, isn't. I've, they, they I've sell it like the people who like tried it. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, I've never tried it. It apparently tastes like, like Lucky Charms. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Lucky Charms. Heard that. That's a that's a shame because I don't like Lucky Charms. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Also, that's don't they later on point out like it? Actually, no. I think it was the Ice Queendom thing. They say of like he doesn't even actually like sugar. Pumpkin Pete. Yeah. Oh really? He doesn't, he doesn't like this cereal. He just collected them. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Also, like Pira very much just like throws a Doesn't javelin at him. Yeah. Almost, that makes me almost <laughs> think like it must be like imagine like John was like one of those th- things like, as a kid, like he just saw the idea of like I can get a free hoodie and just ate this forced himself to eat the cereal. Maybe he <laughs> liked it what so I'm imagining. Until he got the cereal because he what volume four confers is like fifty box tops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The uh, yeah, Joker. Um, Pira does just completely throw a spear at the boy. Uh, of course, it's Pira, and as we learn later, she is a a god crack yeah. shot. The woman yes. could hit anything from any distance, yeah. anywhere. Uh, she, so, so was this her and, being jealous because he was talking to Weiss? Well, the, uh, Weiss, Weiss does ask Pira for help. Uh, yeah, just just prior. And oh, she says, you're right. Uh, you're right. Yeah, she's like. <laughs> Pira, a little help here, and so Pira responds in kind and definitely nails the boy to a pillar. Yeah, so it is yeah. a little fun, funnier thinking of her just being a yonder and immediately, <laughs> yeah, just donking on the kid uh, to to conceal her feels. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, did, uh... yeah, not oh, glad. Finish this today. I was just gonna say, unfortunately, uh, she is responding in kind to to Weiss's request, and uh, she does apologize. At least we got that because yeah. I I did read from the documentary of this episode that. The reason why Monty actually had the, that scene is just as a way to make it seem be like it, it's an, it was an okay thing for like in the later scene of her spearing him to the tree later. <laughs> like that was uh, all the reason why they did that. So like it's an okay thing. Like he's used to that by now. <laughs> huh. Well, I, I would. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess he. I was surprised to see Carden in the landing 
like yeah. strategy start. Yeah, Carden, he did, and... he doesn't have a weapon. He just goes in bare fisted. Yeah, 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 yeah. raw dogs and shit. He, he's he's ready. He's ready to throw hands in that force. <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, to talk briefly about card at the at the landing strategy. I love like Keith said. He you don't see a visible weapon collapse on him, which is you could argue mm. his mace is wherever his, his mace. Yeah, his um, mace is huge. His mace is huge, and we can mm. probably pretend like oh, it's on his left side, whatever. But uh, when when Ospin starts. The countdown or the countdown. Quote everyone quote. draws their weapons. Uh, everyone <laughs> the draws their weapons. Murder of children. He gets into sumo pose. He, yeah, he yeah. Into sumo pose. Cardin like squats and gets his hands up. Like the, I want to know what the dude's landing strategy is because I want to. I want to imagine that he's step big. Like his landing strategy is he just wants to like he's gonna do this grab onto a tree. Like he's yeah, gonna he's just gonna full impact <laughs> tackle a tree. Yeah, he's just going to hit a tree and koala slide down it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot. I need to know. I gotta ask somebody. Oh, I have to have like an old volume one animator on and be like, "Can you somebody please tell me what Cardin's yeah. strategy is?" Because I think it's I, also I think it's also funny that people that pointed out like, "Hey, where's Blake in the landing strategy?" Um, like on the, a lot of the shadow people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, Carrie actually said that like she's actually just in the back, like pointing at an arrow on the shadow people, going Blake, and she's in a quotation. She's ninja. <laughs> I hadn't even noticed she wasn't visible. I hadn't even. Yeah, she's not there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they and had they, they had like random team cardinal members. In yeah, instead of them. Blake, she had instead of Blake, she's they we have Russell. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know his name, but Russell. Yeah, Russell is somehow rendered in there, but not Blake. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Well, you know, Blake doesn't... I guess she wasn't important to the plot then either, so uh, we get Russell instead. <laughs> not yet, at least. Knocked down. <laughs> That's what yeah. she did. <laughs> is, I wonder, is, I want to just see... Check by, is she even in this? That's where she went. Because I don't think uh, she's in the shop when they're being flown off in the sky. I don't no, know when they're, when they're being flown off. I know we obviously see her do her landing strategy, but I don't know, actually. John's like ragdolling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would like to to touch on briefly that John is... Uh, Ospin is extremely rude during this this little segment because yeah. John physically speaks up and says, um, I have a question. And then the ca the people start being launched, and Ospin like makes no mention of like stopping or like respecting the fact that <laughs> yeah. one of the students actually had a question. Let's be and real; the man is like over a million years old, probably. He's tired of people who don't like read the, the the brochure to Beacon Academy. Yeah. So yeah, Ospin his... is like ignoring him full sail, and as Jean is strongly implying, and as a man as old as Ospin would know, like context clues are not hard to gather here. Jean generally does not have a landing strategy, and so oh, as shitting at hell. yeah, <laughs> as this platform hurls him off into the deep reaches of the atmosphere, Ospin fully is understanding and complacent with the fact that he has sent this boy to his death. He yeah, has he could have killed, killed him. <laughs> And he like it sips his coffee, and then I think of Hazel in Volume Four. And Maybe Austin really five. is the villain here. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> if it wasn't for the heroes, we would have been dead. <laughs> we we cannot guess, I, be angry with was, Hazel about his his yeah, sister being dead because right? yeah, yeah uh, Ospin is clearly okay, like a hundred and ten percent all right with like hurling children yeah. to their death. <laughs> I guess it's probably because one of those yeah. things. He's so old now; he doesn't care really. Like he's gone that numb to really caring human, about people. Yeah, human life is just 
a sadistic to them. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's an expendable resource to Ospin. Yeah. Just survival for the fittest for him. <laughs> yeah, which is I mean, a okay. yeah, it's a miracle that John managed to survive. Like since Yang's friends didn't, and they went to Signal. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Pira has an excellent showcase of how professional she is. She lands, she immediately clears her surrounding, and then she nails this impossible shot on Jean saving the boy's life before he would have surely died. He didn't have his oar at this point, so yeah. a fall from uh, that height would have broken every bone in his body. <laughs> are we are, are we giving her credit? Because it's pretty I'm pretty sure she used her semblance to guide that <laughs> javelin. Are Even we giving her credit did, for like, aiming it? <laughs> that's the thing. She she clearly lines the shot with her hand and then uh you can argue she yeah. uses magnetism to guide it, but even if she does that javelin flies extremely it's, far. It's, yeah, like it does a rocket stun victim, right? She, she it hits him almost right on his neck too. So. Yeah. yeah, the girl's control is impeccable, and even if she is using her semblance, good for her because at that range, that is immaculate that is control. A wild yeah. semblance range, but it, yeah. it's such a good semblance. Pira is uh, proving she belongs in the upper echelons of best girldom uh, here. So it's, yeah, it's maybe, a, maybe second best. Maybe second best. <laughs> Probably third. Fun fact, actually, <laughs> about the landing scenes. Yeah, uh, they actually Monty actually brings up that, uh, or possibly even Miles, but they bring up that the reason why, it, like for example, Blake wasn't shown landing, because they still needed to trim her scene for that for the whole episode, and they just they didn't get to fit it in the time. Because like seemingly, oh. what he s- says is that Monty had actually written down detailed descriptions of everyone's landing strategies oh like, okay he had made everyone so I'm, that would mean probably he probably even made one for Cardin actually dang uh, it dang it someone's gotta find those notes <laughs> i'm sure they exist somewhere we gotta, that's the thing i gotta we'll make I our gotta own landing strategies don't if worry if jackie ever talks to you again we ask oh, her, what if jackie maybe please we... unblock me on twitter and discord i need to talk to you about Carl what did Larry. you do <laughs> someone has to the, try and ask hate, look, someone has to women. cameo miles and ask levi hates women oh. Such a good idea. I gotta pay. I don't want to pay him money. Uh, well, someone's gotta pay that guy money to get him to talk about Garden's landing strategy. How much is he actually? Even <laughs> I'm sure it's some egregious amount of money that I cannot be bothered to to pay for that um, that information. But uh, let's continue with the the discussion for for the episode. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about actually left um, as they land. Oh, yeah, Ruby has her her crises about who she's going to find as a teammate. She does lock eyes with Waishni, meaning that per the rules of the engagement, you guess the SSR gotcha rule. Uh, they are now. Like, wait, wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they see each other and they are teammates. Uh, it is to be decided whether or not they are uh, intertwined beyond that. Unfortunately for the fandom, and uh, Weiss <laughs> is quick to to shrug her off, and then she meets Jean. So she kind of so she comes back. She she reneges and is like, "All right, those are too evil." Yet, yet again, yeah. John just making women gay. <laughs> uh, true, actually, women are so repulsed by Jean that uh, they <laughs> they just can't help themselves around him. Um, Pira, like, thankfully, that's comes what, by. To, maybe to, that's what happened to Pira. She got repulsed so bad she looped all the way right back around. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she came she negative integered all the way back to, to positive value on Sean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, what it's actually happening is Pira is actually managing to, to like fail all her like roll checks to see if she can avoid him. <laughs> True. Yeah. 
Yeah, she got a uh, yeah, Nat one. It was unfortunate. That was. Yeah. John's <laughs> that John's one. persuasion check uh, met with pure saving <laughs> met with pure saving throw, which was also a failure. Uh, <laughs> so rendered useless to his his wily charm. Um, Pira does meet Jean. Uh, I you know sees him eye to eye, and so uh, they are now companions by the the rules of the the landing strategy and. Weiss and Ruby get into a bit of a spat. They start to argue, and Ruby kind of shows off a little bit of her semblance uh, to to show that she's a little capable. And then she speeds off camera to nowhere in particular. Um, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> Ruby just kind of yeah. vanishes for no reason. She doesn't tell Weiss where she's going, and she when she reappears, I don't think she tells her what she was doing either. Yeah, she no. just pops back in to just fuck up yeah. Weiss's attack. <laughs> Yeah, um, and that's technically the next episode, which we aren't covering, so we won't cover that yet. But uh, Ruby does just kind of leave for no real reason yeah, at all, and uh, and Weiss it, is left alone. I do think this has, like, one of the, I think this one has one of like the best uh, Lindsay deliveries of "You came back." I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cute. It's cute. I like uh, I like that line. You came back, and then the wow, that Ruby girl is really really cool, and yeah. I want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, Ruby is right, really quite charming here. It, it's crazy that the ones exuding the most like uh, homosexuality are the are the ones that ended up not being a couple. <laughs> like everybody, <laughs> yeah. every other partner group ended up together. <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, White Rose fans everywhere. I don't have to speak for them. They they cry out every yeah. day in in anguish. Uh, I I am one of them. I cry. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot to be said for the ship. Uh, if you like it, if you don't, uh, sad to say, but there's a lot of folks out there who uh, who desperately pine for White Rose to to be canonized, and uh, I hope for the best. May the luck be ever in your favor, folks. <laughs> wink, I, I, wink. I'm, I'm just gonna wink. keep looking back and just loving the the mangas where there where Weiss is even more of a game. Yeah, the the mangas are a lot more heavy handed about it. That's for yeah. sure. But uh, we don't have a manga discussion, unfortunately. We're we're left with the series proper. So. Um, does anybody have anything left to talk about for the, the, the first five episodes there? I forgot to say that in the intro, uh, yet again, they point to John being the main character with him, like just looking longingly at the statue. And <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like something that they never get back to, which is probably something that ended up getting cut because of all the main character allegations that they can't escape because I won't I, let them. I think <laughs> yeah. it's like a supposed... Never to... drop it. Yeah, yeah, as long as I can stand here and like weirdly try to defend Jean and his role in the story, uh, which I won't do often, by the way. Um, but as far as the opening is concerned, if anything, I think taking the context we have, Jean, it could be interpreted as a uh, a moment of him like realizing that he doesn't belong with the rest of them. Like he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't see yeah. himself in that statue. Um, but it does. It's it is the very anime thing to do uh, yeah. to look upwards at something and and kind of clench your fists and you sound like a leather glove tightening. Um, but <laughs> it's get but, the hey Arnold glove yeah. like hand. <laughs> Pira, oh Pira does grab his hand and and assure him that he belongs, which does uh, does come up in the series again. So mm. let's talk about community question here. I've got one that we can kind of discuss at Real Atomic Cody asks. Should Cinderfall be redeemed, and how could it be done? That's such a loaded question, and oh. I don't think I can like answer it seriously. So I think I'll start off with, um, should Cinderfall be redeemed, and how could it be done? I am a strong proponent of villains not needing to be 
yeah either redeemed or even like agreeable like there's a lot of yeah. especially with writers yeah. these days there's a strong wave of write your villains realistically which i agree to an extent like but not everybody has to be pragmatic and efficient not every villain needs like mm. a moral high ground like i'm doing this for the greater good there are some yeah. people that are genuinely evil and i'm okay with that and that's fine and to that yeah. end i think cinder should have died in volume five I think she should have oh, met yeah. her end and not been redeemed. I don't think she should be. I think Cinder is okay. Even like in a nutshell, like from volume one to five, that's fine. As we learn more about Cinder, her backstory does not redeem her at all. Like her backstory uh, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't make me sympathize. Well. Yeah. It doesn't make me sympathize with her. I don't feel anything better yeah. for Cinder. And so you just knowing, understand why she turned out what she did. You yeah. don't sympathize with her. Yeah you, yeah, you you just have a window into it. It doesn't make you feel better about what she's yeah. done or any any part of who she is. And to that end, I will say uh, that I think Cinder shouldn't be redeemed. I wish she would have perished back uh, when she <laughs> when we were led to believe she died because I honestly think that would have been a better end for her than the Cinder we have. I genuinely believe that in my heart of hearts, folks. I do like. Honestly, I do kind of like watching Cinder when she wins, even though she never does. Like, mm. <laughs> even though Cinder constantly fails upwards. I know, I know. When she like actually like gets shit done and gets her right, she's very entertaining to watch. And I, yeah, and I I, I, I disagree that she should have stayed dead. I like that she came back, and I've sort okay. of enjoyed some of the things that they've done with her. Mostly not, but uh, she's, she's, been, she's been all right. Great How, yeah. However, I do agree that she doesn't need to be like redeemed like i like i'm barely okay with them like half redeeming neo and that's that's already Isn't her relationship with salem basically like a parallel to her like stepmother thingy basically it's yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so for me i want like salem to have like a moment of weakness and cinder like tries to take the opportunity to like kill her and off fails. and yeah. fails not not even like yeah. to get rid of Salem for the good of the world. To get rid of Salem for for her own like selfish reasons of yeah. like not wanting to be like uh, right. under anyone. I I kind of power etc. And there and then Salem wasn't uh, supposed to be the big bad at the end. I thought uh, Cinder was. That's what they were setting up for. Mm. Mm. Apparently not. I'm, I'm I'm getting that vibe of like she's almost trying to like she feels the same feeling of, like how Salem is being treating her yeah. similar to her stepmom. Yeah. But like, so I want I her to have... like attempt on Salem's life, basically. Yeah. And then to... the weekend Salem is still like, you really think you can do this to me? And then still like like stomp Cinder, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I feel like she's in the way she knows that she's being treated the same way, but like she's turning that around. Always like she's trying to undermine Salem. And we show that by yeah. how seemingly acting so loyal. But she's always yeah. doing something like she's killing using Watts. When clearly, like, they sh of course, Salem clearly Salem needs Watts. Yeah. yeah, so she's in yeah. a way undermining him and like making up things. Cinder should be, uh, like, I know they still already uh, borrowed uh, borrow a lot of things from the, the last Airbender, but they've had us to just keep borrowing, and Cinder should be more like Azula towards the end. Yeah. Oh. More and more insane, it. and then, like, just, like, loses in a very pathetic way yeah yeah and way almost i feel like um the best way i can compare it like if with terrible if villainy is like i feel like salem is like a perfect like jet stream sam from revenge is like she's just <laughs> evil to be evil 
Yeah. Like, there's no reason. She just she's just evil. I mean, I she's that. evil because like she's probably insane because she was alive. She's for, definitely, like, she's definitely the entire <laughs> evolution of humanity from tadpoles or whatever. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, Darkhoy. Did you have anything you want to add about um, Cinder being redeemable? Um, I just I don't want really her to be redeemed. I feel I feel like yeah, she, she has, she's a perfect villain. Like she's good for being just the way she is. Like she's just a terrible person, and she tries to make it seem like she has a reason why she does all of this, and like she has a moral reason. But in a way, she is just evil to be evil because she does. She's not giving up on the trauma she felt when she was a kid. She wants to just put that on others. Yeah. She's also like responsible for a lot of deaths. Like yeah, she killed she's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that are dead because of her. So yeah. it's uh Yep. I don't uh I don't subscribe to the school of thought that Cinder deserves anything less than uh, instantaneous death. Um so <laughs> I will Via you will, Salem. Yeah, you will catch me at the the premiere of whatever episode, whether Salem kills her or Ruby does the Nevermore combo on her head. Um <laughs> no matter what happens, I will be there for the death of Cinderfall. I guarantee it, folks. Uh, I think that's that's time. Uh, we're, we'll have our final call here uh, with the the first five episodes behind us. We are uh, we are well on our way through the debut volume of Ruby. Um, we <laughs> yeah. Hope, yeah. almost halfway. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're so close. Uh, we're we're getting to the the real highlights of season one here, or what what most would argue are the real highlights of the the season. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we hope you'll continue to, to join us through this slightly jank yet wholly endearing season of the show as we continue to unwrap what makes Ruby, Ruby. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Podcasts, so if you would like to find us anywhere but Spotify, if you have an extreme vendetta against the site, please look us up there, and would you be so kind as to leave us a review? It helps so much if you guys leave... Um, you know, positive views. If you don't have anything positive to say, just at me on Twitter and let me know in public and you can come shame me to my face. Uh, but yeah, please leave a review. If you like the show, it helps us a lot more than you might think. And uh, just spread the word. If you like what we're doing here, or if you want others to, to watch the series and you haven't been able to get them on board before, I know it's a tough sell. Ruby is not always the easiest thing to pitch to your friends. Uh, tell them that they've got a group of ever-changing hosts that is never never permanent to uh, to help uh, kind of guide them through with a gentle hand through the series at large. So, uh, yeah, uh, check us out on the other... Anywhere else you might find a podcast, and uh, we'll be there. So please check out the show and leave a review. I would like to take a moment to thank Kiwi Cosplay for the use of our song. This will be the day lo-fi remix by the talented Murphy Made Beats. Please check out their cosplay channel at the underscore cosplaying underscore Kiwi underscore 303 at Instagram. Uh, they've already got some Ruby cosplays to show off, so please check them out. And also, would you please find your way to Murphy Made Beats on Fiverr. That's five with two R's. Uh, if you've got a song that you want them to make or make a remix of, uh, extremely talented and they do take commissions. So please go hit up that artist for any any requests you have. Um, I've been your host, Levi, and you can find me at Levy Login on Twitter or Tumblr. I am also on Blue Sky if anyone uses that site. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me. I've been Modded Joker. You can find me at M-O-D-D-E-D-J-O-K-E-R on basically every social media. I'm not in Blue Sky, though. Uh, 
I didn't get an invite. Levi doesn't like me. Like you that. want an invite? <laughs> he doesn't have that code yet. Uh, uh, Let me see if I've got one. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, I've been Keith Montalvo. My at is the same everywhere as well. Uh, Twitter and Twitch are my most active. And uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me too. I'm of course Darkoy, and that's that's mainly what I'm always known all around the internet. <laughs> Same thing everywhere, just D A R A K O I, nothing else. Love to see consistent branding. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that we did a great job of saying our sign offs there because nobody messed up their their Twitter handle. That was very good. <laughs> we both coffee and jackie kind of goofed it last time so (laughs) (laughs) this has been ever after hours and we'll get the lights when you go thanks for stopping by (laughs) this 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 is the part where we fade out uh, gently into the music (laughs) take me gently into the night Let's go. No, I like leave, leave this part in. I just like when you say leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Join us for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. You should probably there stop recording before we say so much, some more dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, I should actually. Uh, Craig, get out of here. Craig, go. Leave the studio, please.